think you can learn how to be a successful business person from a global business celebrity, primetime TV host, Hall of Fame keynote speaker, and former chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak? Then buckle on up as you are about to hear from a business titan who says he has bought and sold 250 businesses. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast, where we interview remarkable world-class experts that help bring out the greatness within you. Top book authors, super successful business people, and outstanding special guests that will motivate and inspire you with their incredible, uplifting stories and life-changing tips and strategies. Our goal is your success. If you desire more out of life, you've dialed into the right show. So fasten your seatbelts, friends, and let's get ready for some high-octane motivation. Now, your host, the mayor of motivation, Eli Marcus. Our guest on the Motivation Show is a primetime TV host of C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett and executive perspectives on C-Suite TV. He is a global business celebrity, speaker, best-selling author, and chairman of C-Suite Network, home of the world's most trusted network of C-Suite leaders, of which I myself am a member of. Welcome to the Motivation Show, Jeffrey Hazlett. It's good to have you. And one, thanks for being a member. And two, thanks, more importantly, to have a show like this on C-Suite Radio. That's what we, we're, we're rolling and rocking with C-Suite Radio right now. You know, when I came on board and put my podcast on C-Suite Radio, you had, I think, about 150 some odd podcasters. Now you're up to like, what, 250? 250 like, and counting, yeah. A snap of a finger. It's, well, it's been more than a snap. That's been, we're drinking from the fire hose. We're on track right now to add another 500 shows to our network. That's our run rate right this minute. So by this time next year, we'll have 750 or more shows. I, I predict it'll be a thousand. I was like a, a stretch goal. And I think we're going to go for a thousand. Why not? Because we can. And that's what we're going to try to do. You know, podcasts are on fire. They're trading at a hundred times revenue. There's, you know, 140 million people listening to podcasts every single month. And we've got a good share of that, that are listeners to C-Suite Radio and all the podcasts that we have. So we're excited to Excited to have you as a headliner on C-Suite Radio, and we're excited by all of our hosts. And you know, everybody finds their own niche. Everybody finds their their way of being able to build the hearts and minds of the people that are listening. And you got some real pros on your podcast network. There, a guy by the name of Robert Kiyosaki wrote this small little book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. Uh, I see you got Kevin Harrington there. On yeah. this little show called Shark Tank. Oh, we've got we've got uh, the real estate rock stars. We've got everything from divorce shows, cannabis shows. We've got 28 legal podcasts on our network. We've got uh, just a little bit of everything. And yeah, Kiyosaki's got more than one show. He's got a couple shows, and I, I think he's adding two more. So uh, we'll wait and see what what the future brings. But yeah, we're continue to add more and more shows. It's just exciting. And, and watch out, we're going to see some bigger show, some other big shows and big names that uh, are household business names, uh, or should I say C-suite business names or boardroom business names, not just household, that, that we're gonna add to this. So it's just exciting. So Jeff, legend has it that you have actually bought and sold like 250 businesses? Yeah, that's a true story. I mean, yeah, I bought 100. How the heck did you do that? Well, I bought 114 in one year. 
where we were doing roll-ups of businesses in the printing industry. This is back in the early nineties. And we were doing it, you know, doing a lot during that time period. And of course, you know, just all my experiences of all the years that I've been in business now, you know, some 40 years at this point. And in those decades, you know, you just do lots of good things. And I've been one of those guys at the right time, right place, and have been able to do it. And, you know, people trust me. I think it's, you know, it's again, a good part of what we do at the C-suite network is create this trust in environment. When people trust you, they, they, you can do deals. I mean, I've, I've got right here at file folders of like 12 or 14 deals I'm working on right now. So of, uh, of businesses to buy and places to invest in. And so I just, just comes with the territory when you're doing it. Well, you've obviously built a legacy and that's why people trust you over the years, but I want to basically go back to a young Jeff Hazlett. And I want to know what formed you, what created this business monster who was able to buy and sell 250 businesses. Tell me about your, your youth growing up. And how well, you know, just a that. normal kid. I used to, but I was the kid that always uh, won all the sales contests. You know, like I used to sell things door to door when I was a kid. I used to have my own, you know, lawn cutting business. I, I mean, I do, I, I lived in a trailer park, you know, my parents were, my father was in the military. And so we moved around quite a bit and we always lived in the, the trailer parks outside the base is where we lived because we lived in a mobile home. So we could just take it with us when we, when we went from base to base, which was quite often, quite frankly. And, and so I used to do things door to door. You know, I even used to deliver flyers for the trailer park. I remember I got paid seven bucks. I remember that $7 to go and deliver all the flyers to every single home when the trailer park needed to send something out, you know, I get on my bike and I just travel from, you know, mailbox to mailbox. And, and by the way, just sometimes if, if you never knew that some of those mailboxes were up next to the front doors on these mobile homes that were built right into the mobile home. So you had to get off your bike, go up the steps. And, wow. And yeah. It wasn't like the mailman. Stuff. Yeah. And I used to do that. So, <laughs> That's, that's the background. I mean, even when I was, uh, you know, like I said, a, a kid and I would go out and sell barbecue, the barbecue dinners for the, for the, uh, for our baseball team, you know, to raise money for our little league team, I'd win the contest. I was always the guy, the kid that did that. Yeah. I'm not surprised because you definitely uh, have a an acumen for business that comes out pretty clear. You're pretty serious about getting members and things like that. You have an incredible organization. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I've benefited from it. You know, I had worked one time, believe it or not, in the, in the old days for a buck 85 an hour. I'll never forget that. <laughs> it was in a beach club and I'm flipping hot dogs and hamburgers and it's like 105 degrees and I'm schwitzing like crazy. And then I went on to work at Madison Square Garden and sold everything from, again, hot dogs, beer, souvenirs. And I always, people always wanted to know how come I always made more than everybody else. And at the end of the day, it's just hustle. It's just it's hunger. Hustle. You know, you right? got it, brother. It's the name of, see, when you just said that, I'm going, this is why I like you so much. And before you even said the word hustle, I'm thinking in my head, this is why I like this guy. He hustles, he hustles. He's trying to find a way to help people. Like I, that's all we're trying to do. Most of us is trying to serve other people. That's what yes, hustlers yes. are, Yes, is yes. we're trying to serve other people and we just do it a little bit faster. How do we move it along? How do we get you to your satisfaction as quick as possible? That's, that's my goal. That's my job is to make sure that we have mutual conditions of satisfaction and deliver on the promise of, of whether it's a hot dog, a beer, a burger, a box of chocolates or whatever it is that we're doing. That's in the, you boil it down. That's what we do. 
That's it. That's it. It's no, no fancy gimmicks. No, this, that great service, great value to people who want, and you give them what they need. And that's a, you, or if you give them what they want, need and wants two different things, but, but I try to first give them what they need. And then I try to give them what they want. Well, what I really admire about you, not only me, I'm sure but a couple of thousand C-suiters that are colleagues of mine, you have this philosophy of always giving before you ask. And that's a very powerful philosophy. It took me probably 30,000 cold calls in the mean streets of Manhattan to figure that part out. That yeah. Maybe if you can give a little before you actually ask, things will, will start to come back to you. Tell us a little bit about that philosophy. Well, I mean, if I, if, let's imagine I would love to strike up a relationship with you. As I get to know you, I find out what you need or what you want, where you want to go. And if I can give you a call and say, Eli, I just heard about this thing that I thought you should meet so-and-so because they're doing this. And I think there's some value between the two of them. Would you be open to having a meeting and I can put you together? Or I find out that you're, you know, whatever, car collector, this or this, and you want, and you're looking for this. And I happen to stumble across it. I mean, you remember the guy, Jesse, that, oh, what's his name? He, he used to do the car business. He was on Celebrity Apprentice with me one season too. He was married to Sandra Bullock for a very short period of time, but he restores cars. And I remember one time I'm driving down a highway in the middle of South Dakota, and there's this old truck on the side of the road that has been sitting there for decades. I pull into the farmyard and said, I see you got an old truck there. It's a like 1950s Chevy or something. Looks like it's in pretty good condition, but it's been like, it's obviously been sitting there since 1970 something. <laughs> and they I, I said, uh, you ever want to sell that truck? Yeah, we'd, yeah, we'd sell that truck. I just said, what would you sell it for? And he goes, well, I don't know. What's it worth? Yeah, I said, you tell me. I have no clue. I said, but I go a guy that might like to buy it. And he gave me a price. I texted Jesse who runs that TV show, who I met is that when I was a judge of Celebrity Apprentice, and I put him in touch with a guy and they bought the truck and he, he refinished and sold it for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Well, I, I just, you know, just, I made two guys really happy. Well, that's great. Absolutely. And maybe it'll come back to me. I don't know. I, I can't even remember Jesse's last name, but, but nonetheless, you know, I did my good deed of the day and that made me feel good. And that's a good thing. And if you could do that for other people, and I do that every day in business, every single day, you know, I had Seth Godin on my show the other day and he did it on my all business podcast and was talking and somebody who I've been trying to talk to about coming in and being on the C-suite radio platform and have her come and put her show. She said she and another speaker who I happen to know are doing this book together and Seth Godin said something. Could I put them in touch with Seth so they, they could repurpose this comment? I said, well, first of all, it's fair use. So whatever he said, you can you can use that in your book. Just give him credit for it. That's what yep. fair use says. But I don't mind connecting you. I'll be more than happy to connect you. I connected him. Now he's doing a forward for their book. Well, there you go. Or not a forward. He probably isn't doing the forward. He's, uh, he's doing a quote or a, a recommendation for their book. Well, there you go. There's no skin off my back. I, you know, I could have said, oh, she's not a podcaster in my network yet. If she's not a podcaster, why would I do that for? Well, why would you do that? You know, I'll do that. And then maybe she'll come a podcaster. I, you know what? I'll bet you she'll be a podcaster in our network before long. Well, you make it easy for people to say yes, you know, when you're that generous at the end of the day. And you were generous with me, to be perfectly honest, the first time I met you. And uh, I've never forgotten that. So other people may have short memories, but I certainly don't. I think the majority of people do not have short memories. The majority of people appreciate 
the kind of uh, things that you do. And sometimes you don't even realize what you did. No, <laughs> you don't I don't realize yeah. how it resonates. No, so I, I got to remember, I was trying to think, what did I do for him? I don't even know. But, well, you know, you know. <laughs> just be that way. You know, that's, you know what I mean? Just if you're just that way, then you, I don't have to remember. I'm not I'm not like keeping a, a scorecard. I'm not doing any of that stuff. There's no reason for it. Now, if you but if you come to my meetings, you know, like I throw a meeting, uh, lots of meetings a week for the C-Suite Network. Come the first time you're my guest. Come the second time you're my guest. Third time you better be bringing some buns to dinner. You better be bringing a hot dish, you know? And, and that's, and I describe it like that because, you know, it, it's okay to take advantage of generosity because it's given in the spirit that it's given, given without any strings to it. And it should be given that way. But, you know, the second, third time, hey, come on. You know, and I did that with one guy where he asked me for an introduction. Yeah, no problem. A couple, he asked me a couple times, like the third or fourth time. And I literally, he called me the third or fourth time. And I said, no, if you want to come in my network, you want to be involved with me. But he goes, well, I didn't know I had to do that. I said, well, you don't, but don't you think you should? He goes, well, are your introductions for sale? I go, no, they're not for sale, but you're wasting my time. Well, you take, you're turning me into a salesperson for you. What's in it for me at, at this point? Now, now you're taking, you're taking advantage of my generosity. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair to have boundaries, you know, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I think people should have expectations at some point if they're going to continue to play in your playpen, you know, I mean, right. you, you have some, you have a few expenses there. <laughs> well, but I mean, let's go to this meal analogy for everybody that's listening. I think it's a great analogy. So I, it's like this guy came over to my house and he had a, he had a hot dog. Next time he came over, he had a hamburger. Next time he's coming over now, he's asking for another hamburger. Well, the th you, you've come over three times to my backyard. You didn't bring any beer. You didn't bring any sodas. You didn't bring some ketchup. You didn't even bring a freaking pickle. Okay. You know, how can they leave the pickles home? Exactly. Right. You, you, but that's my point. I think that's a fair analogy to say to somebody. I think it is. Yeah. And you wouldn't invite the person a third or fourth time. You'd start thinking he's a freeloader. Well, now in some cases we have those people in our life that they, that's just who they are. Yeah. But, but their personality or what they bring to the table with other things is overwhelms the yes. other stuff. Yes. And that's okay. And I'm okay with that. But in this case, the guy was asking all the time. Yeah, no, it's that's, true. You know, create some value that you, so, you know, that you're welcome to keep coming back. Yeah. I get it. And I, and I'm in agreement with you. And I think it's the best lesson for that person to, to learn because maybe nobody has the kahunas to actually tell them. And that's why they keep doing it that way. Well, and he was pretty upset. I mean, he yelled at me and called me all kinds of names. Like, oh, that, oh, that's <laughs> hey, looks at my old family calls me lots of names. Everybody, <laughs> it's okay, it's all right. I've been called lots of things. I, I, I did television for years. You know, I was a host on Bloomberg, and then of course was a judge on Somebody Apprentice, and I got my own TV show now on C-Suite TV. I got my own shows. Are you kidding me? You don't think I have haters? I have haters. If you're if you're not a thought leader who doesn't get hate mail, it doesn't get you know, those kinds of things, then you're not, you're not a real thought leader. If, if you have an opinion, you're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Someone's always going to disagree. Oh, absolutely. And that's fine with me. I love healthy debate, but you yes. know, call me names. That's, a, you know, I, I could take that too, but I might, I might say something back, like, you know, shut up yeah. or whatever. That's fine with me. Call it Celebrity Apprentice. You mentioned that. And I think my listeners would like to know a little bit more about your experience there and what you learned and how that all came about. Well, it came about because I had a product that was the chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak, and we were trying to place a product 
in the forefront. I was trying to use what I call OPM, other people's money. Yep. So I was trying to find a way to sell the product in a bigger way without having to do a lot of advertising. Well, the product integration of that show was a pretty good integration. And for the dollars that we spent in integrating into the show for the payback we got was 100x, 200x, 300x, 400x. I mean, it was massive. So for every million I would put in, I would get billion, you know, have, you know, hundreds of millions or a billion back. That's a pretty good ROI. You can't, yep. you can't beat that. So the ROI was unbelievable. The things I learned from the experiences is, you know, how to sell you and by selling you, sell the brand, selling the brand, selling you. So there's some real benefits there. And I learned a lot about the TV business. I mean, I, here I was, you know, with Trump, which that was interesting, but that wasn't really about him as much as I learned about Mark Burnett. And my experience was learning through Mark Burnett and we became friends and his, and a lot of his team and I became friends over the three years that I was in, involved with them. And I did some other projects as well. And I learned a lot about how he did the model and I studied him and I studied what they do. And I, now I study all the reality shows and I study all, I, I can see the format, you know, I can tell you what the format of each show yep. is. And, you know, there's two positives and negative, or there's two negatives and a positive. And there's different ways that they do it. And from that, I can tell whether the show is going to, there. you know, like a new show and a new pilot, that's going to be successful. It's not, it's going to have a play. It's not going to have a play. You know, that you, you've got, you got to make somebody cry. You got to have some tension. You got to have all these different aspects of it. But in the end, you're there to sell product, you know? So I learned a lot about that. And that was, that was, a, that was my, you know, MBA squared was during that time period of, of the television and that, well, those four years that I was at Eastman Kodak, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I would not have traded that experience because I would not be as successful as I am today, nor the scale of which I've been able to do without that experience. You know, some people are listening to you right now, Jeff, and they're pretty motivated and inspired. They're pretty pumped up. Here's a guy who's had all this great success, all these incredible businesses but they're kind of playing it safe. Why? Maybe because they have two kids at home and they feel that it's, it's difficult for them to become an entrepreneur. Tell us your thoughts about playing it safe versus being an entrepreneur. Well, you can do as, be as safe as you want, try to be, but you're probably not going to get the scale. You have to take some risk. You know, now you want to mitigate the risk. I don't want you to take risk for risk sake, just like don't change for change sake. Nobody, you know, wakes up and says, you know, I can't wait to be stupid in the morning. So I know that everybody's trying, well, there are a few people, but nonetheless, what we want to do is figure out how to mitigate your risk as much as possible. So that, that just means by studying, by spending more time, really, you know, so you know that when you put the money down, at least it's a safe bet, but let's be clear, it's a risk, you know, like I'm raising money right now for the, the radio to expand the radio. I'm doing a round, simple round, went out sent out, you know, 80 letters and I've got 42 meetings, right? This is awesome. That's, that's fantastic. And, but I was, I'm very clear in the letter, you know, you can make an investment, but you could lose it all. I want you to understand first thing, if you give me money, you you could lose it all. So I want to state there's risk, you know, and, and the key thing is just to understand the risk and how to mitigate it. Now, how you'll mitigate the risk if you invest in me is, how successful has Jeff been in the past? How's he doing it? What's he doing? Show me your, your experience to date. Show me what the industry is doing. Now show me, you know, oh, the industry is trading at 100 times X for every dollar you put in. Okay, you're getting $100 back. Whoa, okay, show me more of that. Is that going to last? 
then, you know, I go and say, well, listen, I, the 100x is interesting, but I'm only going to evaluate us at 50x. I'm taking away at least half your risk. Okay. So that means there's upside. And I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, so those are the things you have to start to do. You want to look at that experience, the track record, all those things. You know, we've grown 130% in, uh, in new shows over, over the year, 450% in uh, listenership, 137% in episodes. Holy moly. That's record. That's, that's mitigating risk. So, so that what you want to do is be able to show that, prove it, and understand it. But don't go on your gut. Do not go on your, your gut. You go on data. You go on capturing customer behavior, not thinking what customers are going to do, not thinking what your friends think they'll do. You go based on the data and you mitigate your risk. That's what you do. Yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, looking at secretary. It went by 17 and a half uh, lengths. And it's like, well, it's not such a bad bet. So I'm right. betting I'm betting on you, Jeff. I think you're a good bet. I'm a good horse. I'm a good horse. <laughs> I like good, horse. Yeah, you're, out, like you're horse. at that gate fast. Yeah, I no like it. No one's catching you. I'm taking the inside rail and ain't nobody getting, <laughs> getting inside. I'll tell you that. That's amen. Amen. So when I uh, look to hire him, by the way, I, I have horses and stuff. You're yeah. talking about horse racing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those guys are animals. Those little, those guys that run that, those, those horses like that, to have that many pounds of horse flesh running at that speed. Listen, Remarkable. I've been on a horse that's running at high yeah. speed. <laughs> it ain't an easy thing to do to stay on that horse. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm like amazed at how these guys do that, you know, yeah. uh, and they never fall. It's a remarkable thing. And you got other horses next to you, jostling next to you. It's, re it's remarkable. Yeah. So, um, you know, talking about hiring employees, you know, when I look at people, you know, the standard thing is, you know, the resume, I kind of go way past that resume. I look at somebody's character. Tell me a little bit about what you look for in an employee more than any other traits or abilities. Chemistry is big, mm. and I'm yeah. going to be spending as much time with that person as I as, as I would with my own wife or family. So the chemistry is important for me that we get along uh, in terms of that. So that personality is big for me. I'm going to look at their track record and understand what they do and their work ethic of how they do it. I'm to the point now in my life, uh, I don't want to work with people that I don't respect or want to get along with and don't want to learn from. So I'm also looking for people who can bring me new ideas, new ways of doing things, but mostly it's around their attitude. Mm, powerful word. Yeah. That's a big word. Well, it's mood and attitude. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they don't have the attitude that we, you know, like, because we can, you know, whatever it is, we can do it, then I'm not real interested. I'm not, I, I'm done with that. I'm done with people who don't get it. I can only move as fast as my slowest common denominator. So why would I want anybody that's slow? Why would I want somebody that's going to say, well, we tried that before, you know, <laughs> um, it's not in the budget. Um, you know, like, well, who gave you a freaking budget? I said, let's go get it done. Let's now that means uh, we can't be spending extravagantly, but we got to make it work on based on these conditions of satisfaction. So let's just go get it done. And, and so many people work with people that, that don't have their great attitudes and don't have that kind of stuff. I, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm literally, I'm just, I mean, I've had some discussions with my team. My new saying right now is I want to follow you, not follow up. Oh, I like that. It's a great saying, isn't it? It's a great Ooh. philosophy. Yeah. I want to follow you, not follow up. Yeah. If I have to follow up, why do I need to follow you? Good point. 
I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. So that means I want to be catching up to you all the time. And that means you're teaching me, you're showing me. I love that. I'm, that means you're a leader. And, and I don't care who you are. I don't care what your job is in the operation. But if I'm having to follow up, then there's a problem. There is a problem. And, and I'm, I'm just flat telling people I'm not doing it. And, and I put that in the emails right now to some people on our teams that say, this is not something you want to see me do. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because that's my being very transparent, not being, a, not being a hard ass, not being any of those things. It's being very transparent to what I expect you to do. That's it. Well, you set the stage and, uh, you know, I think people either get it or they don't get it. And so obviously what you're saying is you'd rather hire somebody from Hofstra University that has a great attitude and, and knows how to play the game versus somebody from Harvard that's got the summa cum laude, but, you know, just doesn't get it. Right? I like Hofstra. Yeah. It's good New York. Like <laughs> yeah. That. There's nothing wrong there, baby. There's, nothing wrong. there's some good people at Hofstra. I, and yeah. we've got some good members from there as well. Absolutely great institution, you know, place where the uh, New York Jets uh, had their training camps for many, many years. Uh, so, so what's uh, going on with our Jets right oh, now? Oh, well, I shouldn't oh. have probably brought that up. But Man. look, I, I, got a, I got a member of my team. It's a Steelers fan. She's got season tickets. Trisha Ben, who's the head of my partner, and she's the head of the community. And, of course, the Steelers are undefeated right now. And, of course, the Jets, where they're at. I've had enough of this. <laughs> well, you know, th this is the motivation show. So, hey, look, I always got to look at the positive and the silver lining. So, exactly. number, number one draft choice next year, hopefully <laughs> becomes the next John Elway and, and Tom Brady all rolled into one. There we go. We can, we, there's always, for the good news about the Jets, there's always a dream. There's there, always there, a dream. there you go. There's only one way to go, right? Up. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, how long should somebody who buys a business actually hold on to that business? What is your long, ideal? Long as it, look, look, I build businesses to make money. And I try to build businesses that sometimes can scale great. And I might even buy the business to look for a future of an exit. But that exit might be, I hold on it to the rest of my life and I make money with it. What's wrong with that? If it meets your conditions of satisfactions, then there's nothing wrong with holding to run the business all your life. Maybe even turn it over to your kids or your nephew or niece or a good friend or somebody that you don't even know that you sell it to. As long as you have joy out of the business, huh? Totally. Yeah, there you go. Your, you know, and for me, there's three things. You gotta, you gotta build wealth. You have to do interesting things. I mean, learn. Okay. Cause I think that's the great thing about being in business is you're constantly learning. And then third, it's gotta be fun. You know, you, as an entrepreneur, you speak of the motivation show. I go to bed at night, hoping I'm hurry up and I'm going to hurry up and sleep so I can get started the next day. Uh, I can, I can relate to that. I get it. Yeah, right. That's and so that. So build a business for that. Build a business yeah. for that. Build a build a life for that. And, and the reason why? Because you can. You can. Yep. And if you can't right now, bide your time, find the thing, and then go do that. You know, for many years, I was um, across the street from the Carnegie Deli, and I used to see the lines around the corner. Every day there's a line. Get in there and get those oversized stuff, heart attacks. <laughs> Yeah, between, between uh, rye bread. Four people. One yeah. sandwich made for four people. Oh, my God. Maybe and, more. Yeah, yeah. And, and every celebrity on the planet they had on their wall, those photographs, it was very iconic. And then one day they just closed up. Nobody bought it. And I said to myself, how does an iconic brand with that much success 
just shut down and it's not even sold. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a remarkable thing to me. That's something that most restaurateurs would dream of to have yeah. that kind of success. What are your thoughts about that? Well, the same thing, but you know, at the end, you know, if, if someone doesn't have the same passion, the same dream, the same way of being able to want to do it, they get it, you know, and, and by the way, in some businesses outgrow themselves, you can't, you can't look, look at Eastman Kodak. They didn't do the things they needed to do to get to where they needed to in the digital age. And as a result, the, the market outpaced them. It wasn't necessarily yep. always their fault. It's just, there's this thing that got invented called a camera on a phone and, that digital camera to overtook us. And right now is, you know, even in COVID right now, you know, days have become weeks, weeks have become months, months have become years. I mean, and you've got to move with incredible speed and that's the way it is. Hey, speaking of great restaurants, I would, I would, you just reminded me of Eisenberg. Do you know Eisenberg? Oh my God. Yeah. That sandwich shop. Yeah, exactly. Fifth Avenue. Oh yeah. That we're talking, it's way down on 20th street from somewhere around maybe 19th and fifth. And I'm telling you guys, this sandwich shop, I'm just, I'm, I want it just, you just made me want a fried bologna sandwich. <laughs> I want it, they have a great fried bologna sandwich with onions and cheese on it. Oh my gosh. And some French fries on the side, man. And they give you free pickles. You, that, that, that's like death row food right there. That's oh, like, that's like what, what would you like as your last meal? Well, how about Eisenberg's uh, special? You know what? I'm going to the grocery <laughs> store today and I'm going to get some big, thick bologna <laughs> cut from the, from the deli, right? Not from the, not from the, you know, slices they sell you in the little packs. I mean, I want them to cut it from that big loaf and then I'm going to fry up that bologna with some fried onions. Oh, that's, um, that's my sandwich for today. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the most challenging things, I think most employees are, in my opinion, they're okay. They're, they're not ecstatic where they work. They're not, you know, upset where they work. They're just okay. How do you actually make employees happy and want to stay and want to be there. And you've done very good at that. You've got to be able to, you got to really get them to buy into the mission, the dream, the hopes. They got to drink the Kool-Aid, you know? Um, you got to find a way so that they they have the same mutual conditions of satisfaction that you have about where we want to go and take the business. And if you can't get them there, then get rid of them. I mean, or just change them out. I'm, you know, that's literally what you have to do. Don't, don't accept it. And there are times when I do that for a while, I accept the people because that's what we got right now. You know, COVID is one of those situations right now. You can't, you can't just like throw people out. You can't do that yet. You know, I wouldn't want to do that because just look how bad it is out there. If you, if you cut someone loose right now, it's not good, right? Because it, where are they going to go to work? So, you know, you have some responsibility to be human and be humane. And so you, but you want to work with them. That doesn't mean you're not going to push them, you know, chide them, motivate them, poke them in the butt every once in a while with a sharp stick or, you know, you know, I say that, you know, not really truly do that, you know, but, you know, and with, with motivation. And I think that's what you have to do. In the end, it's about motivating. It's about motivating them to get them to go where you want. And, you know, I use an analogy. I used to, you know, I have horses and I have, and I got to take the horses somewhere sometimes in a trailer. Well, to put a horse in an enclosed structure that's hooked to a truck is not a natural thing, okay? Because horses have a flight mentality. They think anyone, anything that's coming up to them is going to eat them, okay? So they want to run. I, I, even when I walk up to them, you know, they want to just, they're nervous until you convince them that you're, you're not going to eat them. And then you got to get them in the trailer. To get them in the trailer, you can push, pull, shove, but if they don't want to go, Trust me, they're not going in that trailer. 
So what you have to do is take them back and, and you know, and I, I take them away from the trailer and I mess with their feet and I run them in circles and I irritate them showing them hey, standing over here is worse than getting in the trailer. So then I take them back to the trailer and I say, hey, hey, look, come on. There's some oats in there. There's some hay in there. I'm going to take you. Mm. You're going to go see another girl horse. So get, them, <laughs> get the trailer. Come on, man. We're going to go for a nice ride. And then he won't go. So then I got to take him back and do this, the switching and the, you know, uh, messing with his feet because he doesn't like that and run him around and yell at him, ha, 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 and then take him up. I do that two or three times. Finally, he says, oh, that trailer is a lot better than back over here. Yeah. And we have to do that with our team too. Look, yeah. behavior you exhibit over here is not good. The, be the behavior you exhibit over here in terms of believing and doing what we want to do is much better. Where do you want to go? And that's what you have to continue to do. You have to motivate people to go to a place that they might not want to go. They might fear, but you've got to make that place better than the place they've been. I'm sure you've had a similar situation to me. I've worked with some people who are pretty sensitive and they sort of can handle the heat a little bit. What do you do with those kind of people that, you know, just have rabbit ears uh, and anything you say, they, instead of taking it constructively, they get all defensive and, and they get emotional. So first thing we have that we have to have the discussions, go through the exercises of the things that I'm saying, you know, aren't meant about you. They're meant about the actions that you might take rather than about you. Okay? Not personal, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that and let's, let's separate the two and let's get to this understanding. Now we can't always get to that understanding and we under, and each of us have our own personality types as you can, you can see as much as I like to think I'm a kind of warm and fuzzy kind of guy. I'm not necessarily perceived as a warm and fuzzy kind of guy. I have that soft nurturing just, side. Just because of, of the Grizzly Adams look, come on. Yeah, maybe. And I'm wearing camouflage and everything. Right <laughs> now. But the, you know, there is that nurturing soft side, but at the same time in my role, my role requires me to do these things. So what I do is I go and get other people who can help me with that person, who can communicate or connect with that person rather than me. Because I know... Because physically, you know, yep. and I'm six foot three, 240 some pounds, I'm a big guy and I'm a loud guy and I wear cowboy boots and jeans and, you know, and I hunt and I fish and I ride horses and I got pickup trucks and all that. And, and I can see the persona of that is seen differently than what I think I might be. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was many years that I was as an adult before I realized, oh, I'm a big guy. Yet I, I was a high school All-American football player. I, 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 and I saw, my, I saw a picture of me playing rugby. And I went, who's that big guy in the picture? And I was me. <laughs> and I went, wow, that's, that looks very tough and big, powerful. And that was my first realization that I'm big, that I was big. Yeah. Or, or as what we in our family refer to as bigger than necessary. And that's an old joke. Kind of <laughs> but, but so that might not, my personality type might not fit and my style of leadership might not fit. My role, because of who I am, might not fit. So what you have to do is find the people that can fit or the roles that can fit or the personalities can fit against the people to get them where you want to go. That's the mark of a leader. The mark of a leader doesn't say, I have to do it. Mm. I can get others who can yep. do it and, yep. and bring them along. And but, but as a leader, I'm going to state where we're going. And... I would love for you to get there with me. And if you don't, as a leader, let me be clear, we're going to miss you. Yeah. So uh, I like that. You know, you know when to delegate, uh, but you're, you also know that you got to state your mission. Got that. So what are the most important things that you feel a CEO or chairman like yourself 
needs to follow closely for a profitable business? And why do so many businesses fail? You know, I mean, the, the odds are like stacked against you. Well, you have to measure, you have to measure certain barometers in your business, you know? So what are the key things like, you know, are you looking at the sales number you have to hit every every day? Are you looking at the kinds of sales numbers you have to hit every day? Which means we can all hit some sales numbers. That's great. But if you're not making the margins you need to make. So, I, so I'm looking at certain factors, you know, like in the C-suite number, I'm looking at how many new shows, how many episodes, how many downloads, what's the, how, what's the CPM? What's our rate of the CPM we're selling? How fast are we collecting the money? You know, I'm looking at those things every single metrics day. all the time. Exactly. So I'm looking at those things and that's the role I should play in the business in terms of being able to do that. And, and then when it's not saying, okay, Trish, where are we at, man, Tr you, Trish, you got to hit the, I send to Trish, you know, Trisha. <laughs> yeah. She's lovely. Yeah. Every week saying you got to hit this number. She knows what the number is. I'm just reminding her of what her promise is for the week. I got to hit that number. Because we got payroll, we got taxes, we got this, we got that. And we, you know, those are the things we have to do. And so, so my question to every person that's listening right now, if you're the CEO, what's your dashboard? What's your metrics? What are the things that you should be measuring? And, and if you're not measuring, you're not doing your job. Our job isn't to be the smartest person in the room. Our job is to be the most strategic person in the room. Mm. And so that's, you know, that... You, you got lots of great smart people. Our job is to be looking at the next thing and the next chess move and the chess move ahead of that. And then making sure that we got enough players on the board to make sure we do what we got to do. I like what you said. You know, look at the end of the day, metrics is not the most glamorous thing in the world, but it's the most necessary thing in the world. So you can't be the guy standing around the water cooler schmoozing all day, singing Kumbaya. You know, yeah. I mean, it's serious stuff. Get those uh, numbers. Somebody's got to get laid off. That's not a fun thing to do. Yeah. So. Well, and you speak of that, you know, it's, we, we use Microsoft Teams and we actually have a thing called water cooler and you'll never see me. I Every once in a while, I'll jump on that to let her, but let the team know that I'm watching it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Meaning like, you know, one of the best things you can do as a CEO is put the water cooler near your desk. So everybody's passing by all the time, you know where they're at. So same thing holds true with Microsoft Teams. I want to see what everybody's doing. I want to be involved in that. I want to see, you know, and every once in a while I'll jump in with a comment, like you know, I kind of goof off and, you know, again, this is hard, hard role you have to play sometimes. But when people tell me it's cold in the office, when we were working in an office, I just say, Hey, work harder, you know? Yep. Yeah. Like sometimes in the water cooler and I see too much conversation going on, I say, Hey, let's get back to work. Okay. Yep. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Move it along. So, yeah. I'm going to remind you a little bit about how we actually originally met. First of all, you have an office on West 38th Street in Manhattan. I had an office on West 37th Street. I had this podcast that I was doing on the internet, but it wasn't really where I, I felt it needed to be. And I just Googled podcasts and your name came up and, and I read a little bit about you. I'm like, this guy seems like he's got it going here. And he's a block away. I, I, I contacted you, asked for an appointment. You didn't, you know, beat around the bush. You didn't tell me, oh, come in uh, in three, four months from now. You said, sure, come on in. And we came in, we met. You were very respectful. We hit it off. You you got me uh, immediately. Not everybody gets me. And, you know, you're the kind of guy, it's like either you, you work by instinct, you you got me. And it's like, okay, yeah, I want to work with you. Bring your podcast over. And, uh, and good things started to happen from there. So why should an entrepreneur or a C-level executive like myself, for instance, I know why I should join 
<laughs> but tell the rest of my listeners, why should they join a business organization like the C-Suite, which I am a proud member of? Well, you want to be with trusted executives. You want to be with people who have been there before and done that. You know, today in today's digital world, you don't know that profile that you see is real. You don't know if the background of that person is what they say they are. So why not come and, and experience that to find out? I mean, what's the risk? I mean, there's no risk that to be in a room with people who you don't know who's in the square next to you right now. The square next to you could be someone's leading billions of dollars of business or a brand new startup that might lead you to the next billion dollar business. And that's happened with me. I've had oh. people like that in my square on the C-suite network. Totally. I mean, <laughs> I, I tell people, you, 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 you have, it, it's amazing or who's going to lead you to the next big account or who's going to lead you to the, just the next personal breakthrough or who's going to help you through your divorce or who's going to help you through your depression or whatever those things are. That you need a tribe. Everybody needs a tribe. And by the way, you probably need more than one. So I belong to lots of different groups and I belong to them because I get lots of different things from them. Now, luckily, a lot of those groups are in our groups. <laughs> I get my Scotch Sunday group. I got my podcast group. I got a TV group. I got a thought leadership group. I got an executive group. I have, you know, I'm in all of these different groups for different reasons. And in the more I give in them, the more I get back in them. It's just, you know, if I get in a group, like our, let's say we have our thought council group, which is the highest level uh, group we have for thought leaders. And it's a mastermind for thought, for thought leaders. And we're in there and we got 70 some members and we're each giving each other something. I walk out at the end of the meeting and I got 70 people giving me something. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It, and, and by the way, I'm doing the same thing for them. Yeah. Are you going to grow your business? You're going to grow, you're going to grow mentally, motivationally, and spirit, spiritually, you're going to grow monetarily. Well, heck yeah, that's what, so if you don't want that, then you shouldn't show up. Okay. Yeah. You know, I always look at it is it's the things that you end up not doing that you regret more than the things that you do. So if you oh, join too many organizations, uh, you're, you're going to regret that a lot less than if you join too few, because it's going to take you forever to figure things out. And going back to 1936, you know, the first classic in self-help, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, he yeah. talks about masterminding group and your thought councils are like that. They're right. Chapter 10. Yeah. I can tell you the exact chapter, yeah. chapter 10. I've got it right here. It's in a, yeah. I got it printed out. I read it all the time. Chapter 10. And that's the spirit, the spirit of being able to get together with people who punch above your weight in whatever way. You, and there's lots of different ways, you know, and, and, you know, for us, it's not about just joining the group. And I want to make sure I point that out, Eli. It's about engaging. Yes. You can join all the groups, but if you don't gauge, you don't show up, you don't participate, you don't, you, I, I can give you motivation, inspiration, education, but if you engage, then you'll get the breakthroughs. If you engage, you'll get the business. If you engage, you'll get the growth. If you engage, you'll, you know, you'll move forward in different ways. And that's, that's the difference. You know, it's like, oh, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. And you pray for it every single week and you want to win the lottery and every week you never win. Well, you never bought a ticket. Yep. You never buy a ticket. You'll never win. You got to get in the game. You know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you never take. Like Wayne Gretzky says. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, and, uh, and so many people do that quite frankly. And there, and there's the difference between winners and losers right there. You don't take a swing. All right. So what if you fail you, by the way, let's be very clear. You're going to fail. 
and I don't know what the percentage of, of things that we take swings at that win or don't win. I don't know, but I'm going to keep swinging because there's a pony in there somewhere. And that's what I look at. I meet with people all the time. My team infuriates some of my team members because I'll, I'll meet with anybody. And then they go, why do you do that? And I said, there's a pony in there somewhere. Mm, I love that. I, yeah. Be surprised what you can pull out of somebody, right? The gift no, that they but, have. But, yeah. But sometimes it's me. It's not yeah. it, the, the purpose for the meeting wasn't for me to get something from them. It was, it was for me to get, uh, I mean, it wasn't for them to get something from me. It was for me to get something from them. Mm, yeah. So it could have been motivation. It could have been inspiration. It could have been a breakthrough. It could have right. been a connection. It could have been the need for me to give them something, which made me feel better. Okay. I'll give it a shot. And by the way, what it, if I, if it failed not, and we, and nothing happened of it, what did I learn? Then I can sit back and say, well, what did I learn from that? Mm, yeah. Lesson well, in everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I love that attitude. So right now we're in this COVID world, which we hope to not be in much longer, but we're here. And some people are in sort of a analysis paralysis. They just don't know what direction to go in. They've maybe they've lost their job. They think that maybe it's a most difficult time ever to uh, be an entrepreneur. Tell me why it's actually still a great time to be an entrepreneur. Look, I, most of the people that I'm around in the C-suite network, businesses are up. They're not down, they're up. Or they're better because, quite frankly, COVID. Not, not, not all of them. Come on, let's be clear, right? Uh, there's certain businesses in travel. You, you will know that well better than most people. In hospitality, in restaurants, there's some real tough times. There is no doubt about it. Okay. But some of those restaurants are doing unbelievable. Yeah. You know, because they have foods that travel well. So they, they're takeout, they've changed, they morph, they've changed in a different way. All right. Fantastic. Good, good on you. Okay. So now you just don't need as much real estate space like you used to before. Now you could operate that out of a garage, so to speak, or out of a different kind of facility to be able to do it. Just a kitchen. You don't need all this these fancy tables and all this other stuff because you can do that. So, so the key thing is around how to focus in on the market and how you serve people. So serve the people you want to do now. It's a perfect opportunity right now for people to do business and to find a, a business that you can do it in these kinds of uh, constraints. I mean, there are some businesses that are doing better than ever. So you can do it. You can do it. So to wrap up, Jeff, tell us a little bit about how those who are entrepreneurs actually listening right now or those who are C-suite leaders, how do they find out about C-suite Network and all the other great things you're doing? Just go to C-suite Network, C-suite, S-U-I-T-E, network.com, or look for anything with C-suite because we are the top three indexes of, of that across for search, or reach out to me, Jeffrey Hazlett, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, -T -T, or to Eli, reach out to Eli directly. I mean, he... He's, he will make sure that we get you connected to C-Suite. I mean, we, you know, we got C-Suite book club, C-Suite radio, C-Suite supplies, C-Suite loans, C-Suite network, C-Suite TV, C-Suite radio, you name it, we have C-Suite. And um, you can find a, a space and a place in every one of those. And so all you got to do is just reach out to us. Well, my advice to the listeners here is come on, be a colleague of mine on C-Suite network. You're not going to regret it. You're going to meet some remarkable people. You're going to learn from them. They're going to learn from you. We've got this great, great organization of people led by Jeffrey Hazlett himself, not too shabby. And I got to tell you something. If you have a podcast, 
Get your podcast over to Jeff. If you don't have a podcast, you should be thinking about it because we'll that's like one. a book or a calling card and, and certainly a C-suite will help you. So Jeff, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been an honor. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And keep motivating. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love our listeners and we believe you have greatness within you. If you like The Motivation Show, we appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Check out EliMarcusSuccess.com to hear more inspiring shows and to read our motivational blog. That's EliMarcusSuccess.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.